Spiraldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Got about a half hour left on this edition of Arizona Sports Saturday. Setting you up for Diamondbacks baseball at the bottom of the hour. Mitch Veraldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry behind the glass here in the Akchin Community Studios. And today, officially, Bradley Beal, Jordan Goodwin, and Isaiah Todd are all members of the Phoenix Suns. And not to discredit what Jordan Goodwin and Isaiah Todd will provide for this team in the games to come, but obviously the attention is focused on Bradley Beal, who comes in with a hefty price tag, but a good amount of pedigree. And he's joining a team that already has Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. So the question, Steve, is what role will Bradley Beal have with this Suns team? Yeah, I don't want to diminish it at all. He's a all-NBA caliber player, certainly an excellent scorer. I'm hoping that his shooting percentages go up this season with playing with two guys like Booker and Durant. Obviously, he's going to get some open looks. He's going to draw probably the third best defender on opposing teams, which is probably the easiest matchups he's going to get in his entire career so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, usage rates will probably go down. Naturally, if you have three guys who need the ball in their hands a lot, and certainly Durant and Booker will as well, uh, I expect that he's probably going to get slightly less opportunities. But I think they're going to do a stagger of sorts where they'll have to, yes, Beal, Booker, and Durant will all start the game. They will all sure. finish the game. 100%. Uh, assuming that they're all healthy, which is another big question mark. <laughs> um, but... I think that there will have to be some sort of staggering. And I'm interested to see how Frank Vogel comes up with the rotation of players for this season. Because I think at most of the time, two of the three stars should be on the court at the same time. Most of the time. I actually think, you mentioned it a little bit ago, I actually think the biggest concern I have now that I think more about it is injuries. Bradley Bradley Beal has played 90 games in the last two seasons. 90 out of a possible, what, 164? A little more than half. Little more than half. Little more than half. In the last two seasons. Kevin Durant obviously only made it through 47 games last year. Eight of them with the Suns. The year before, he wasn't fully healthy. Granted, he's... Well, I mean, I don't know. What can I say about Kevin Durant? He keeps getting injured at this point in his career. Devin Booker missed a lot of time last year dealing with a... What was it? A hamstring? Or what was it? A, it was a groin injury, right? Groin, yeah. This team is susceptible to one little tile falls out of the mosaic and it doesn't look or work the same. Yeah, and that's the hard part, right? So last week, uh, this trade was only an idea that Sham Sharani had thrown out last Saturday when we were talking about it here on the show. And we discussed, uh, do you really want to go this route where you're relying very heavily on three people? Now, maybe we could make that four if DeAndre Ayton sticks around, and we could talk about that a little bit, too. But mm-hmm. you're essentially putting a lot of weight on Booker, Durant, Beal, and that's about it. And are you really willing to risk so much on three dudes who have missed time, as you mentioned? One of them's 35 years old, the other one's 30 years old, and Devin Booker, while being the youngest, like you said, did miss some time last season Not as well. to stop you and discredit the argument, but yeah, they are basically putting everything on these three dudes who are probably going to get injured at some point during the regular season. And you could have gone another way. Instead of acquiring a third star, I thought this offseason was going to be about trading Chris Paul and trading DeAndre Ayton for depth because that was what they were missing in the postseason. Mm -hmm. They didn't lack star power in the postseason. They had star power. 
Durant and Booker were averaging like 70 points combined a night. They had the star power. They had the offense. Neither of those things were were they really lacking that much. It was the depth. It was missing what Jay Crowder brought to the NBA Finals team. It was missing what kind of shooting they had off the bench with Cam Johnson. The defense that you got from Mikel Bridges. Mm-hmm. It was all the things that made the 20... Uh, what year was that they went to the Finals? Was that 21. 21. It was all the things that made that team special the Suns didn't have last year. Now, granted, I get it. You had Kevin Durant, and I I would still do that trade... 10 times out of 10. So I'm not saying I regret the Kevin Durant trade. It's just when you did that, you chose to go a direction that was against the grain from what got you to the NBA Finals. You know, it's funny. That was kind of my reaction, too, when they made the Beal trade. Is like, oh, we're literally going in the exact opposite direction of how to help Booker and Durant. Instead of trading the expensive dude for more players... You traded the expensive dude for a more expensive dude, dude for a more expensive player. <laughs> yeah. Right. Bingo. But then Gambo brought up a good point yesterday on the show. How much depth do you actually need in the postseason? Denver won the NBA Finals using at most eight players. A ninth player would get like two minutes. And sometimes that eighth player would only get like eight minutes. Denver's depth was highly reliant on a good starting five and then the Two dudes that they trusted off the bench. Three dudes, maybe. The Suns really only need eight guys that you can trust on a night-in, night-out basis. How many do they have? Booker, Beal, Durant, Aiton. Aiton for the time being. Campaign. Yeah, he'll be a rotation player. And then it's figuring out who are the three. Right now, they don't have Torrey Craig. He was a rotation piece last year. Could come back. Right now, they don't have Damian Lee. They don't have Josh Kogi. They don't have Jock Landale. They do have Ish Wainwright, who, I don't know. Is he going to see minutes in Frank Vogel's system? He's pretty good defensively, but his offense is not anything to smile at They right have now. eight players right now. Like in the total? four big ones, campaign, Jordan Goodwin and Isaiah Todd, they both got in this trade, and then Ish Wainwright. I think, Which, again, to your point, you don't know if he's going to be in the rotation. I think Jordan Goodwin will see minutes, but will those be consistent minutes? I don't know. He's now, entering his third season. Is that eight-man rotation right there that they currently have making no additions? Which they will. They will make additions. But let's just start at ground zero where they're at right now. Is sure. that team better than the Denver Nuggets that just won the finals? No. No. They're not. Not in my opinion. Now, does it mean that they can't win a title? Of course not. Of course the Suns can well, win a title with this team. Here's what I think it comes down to. And everybody wants to say depth. Everybody wants to say depth. Okay. How about the starting five? Is the Phoenix Suns starting five better than Denver's starting five right now? I don't think it is. And if all you need is that solid five guys to get you through an entire postseason run, then you got to be more confident about your five guys. Yeah. And it starts with DeAndre Ayton. Him being confident in himself and whatever role Frank Vogel envisions for him. It's 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 just this simple for me, watching those last couple of games the Suns played in the postseason. I couldn't help but think to myself, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant cannot win this series by themselves. No. And so they needed more. Now I get that Bradley Beal gives them a lot more. That's a really that's a damn good player. That's gonna help a lot. Yeah. But it doesn't fill out the roster. And I do worry at times about how they're going to go about filling out the roster. I know that they'll do it, and I know they'll get a couple guys on veterans' minimum contracts that'll play roles. But anybody that um, is going to excite us? No, probably not. Or make us feel better about a the lot of state it'll of probably be bringing back guys with bird rights and you know doing what they can to get Jock Landale back, getting what 
you know, Damian Lee back or a Kogi. And people are throwing out the argument, oh, well, people will take less money to come play with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And my argument is, don't you think they would take less money to play on the team that just won the finals and has a player that really just wants to get everybody else involved? Yeah, but veteran minimum guys are guys that either are young and haven't established themselves in the league yet and are out there for a reason, or they're washed players that you've heard of. But very accepting of less money and a minimal role or even a chance at a high-end role. Maybe. I mean, you could get lucky and you could get like the Sean Livingston contract that he signed with the Golden State Warriors where he went off for the Warriors. He was one of their best players in their their finals run. And they had some other guys on those teams that took those deals as well. Right. Uh, Yeah, you're totally right. You could get value out of that. But for all intents and purposes, you're you're banking on those top four guys. Because from all I'm hearing from Gambo is that they're increasingly likely going to keep Aiton. It's highly likely that he's not going to get traded. And you know what? I'm choosing to take the positive side of that and look towards what Frank Vogel can get out of him that Monty Williams could not. And what this new coaching staff, what kind of impact they'll have on training him up in areas where he can contribute. Because we talked about earlier, what is the role offensively for Bradley Beal? What is the role offensively for DeAndre Ayton? Well, the benefit to Ayton versus Beal is that he can do things on the court that aren't offense or aren't moving the basketball. He, he can do things off the ball that Bradley Beal can't. Bradley Beal, what he does best, he needs the ball in his hands. He's very much a ball handler. But DeAndre Ayton, can he improve in rebounding? Absolutely. Can he improve defensively at the rim? Absolutely. Can he set picks harder? Can he show more aggressiveness? I'm like a bobblehead right now, yes. All these things are yes. And so I'm excited about that possibility. But it's all about how DeAndre Ayton's mood and attitude are set to improve. Does he want to sacrifice for the betterment of the team? Will he, too? I'm hopeful he will. Coming up next, this is going to be a weird question, but would you rather have Corbin Carroll or Ellie De La Cruz? I know the answer. Steve's got it next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Two incredible rookies in Major League Baseball. Corbin Carroll for the Arizona Diamondbacks is probably, likely, the Rookie of the Year. He's going to start in the All-Star game, is my guess. And he might even be the MVP. But then, in Cincinnati, you've got Ellie De La Cruz, who is one of the most exciting players in the game. Hit for the cycle last night. He's a switch-hitting shortstop who can do literally everything and has completely flipped the fortunes of the Cincinnati Reds organization. He's played in 15 games, and they're on a 12-game winning streak. Here's the question. <laughs> I just laughed. Sorry. Which player would you rather have? Corbin Carroll or Ellie De La Cruz? By the way, there's really no wrong answer to this question. There really is no wrong answer. But can I be the homer and just say I'm happy that Corbin Carroll is a Diamondback? Oh, 100%. I would be as happy if Ellie De La Cruz was also a Diamondback. Sure. But I love Corbin. I love him, too. And I think Corbin fits very well with this team. I think he fits the identity of this team. The Diamondbacks, and I don't mean this in a negative connotation, but the Diamondbacks don't have anybody that's flashy. Here's what I mean by that. They don't have anybody that's overt personality-wise, right? Those players take over the game. Exactly. The Yasiel Puigs, the mm-hmm. Fernando Tatis, the O'Neill Cruz. The Ellie de, de la Cruz. Ellie de la Cruz. The point being. Not is, related, by the way. No, they're not related. 
the that De, I know of. De La Cruz is its own last name. The point that I'm trying to get at here is the Diamondbacks have a bunch of dudes that are really good at their jobs. They go to work and then they go home. Yeah. I don't. It's a good way to put it. I don't hear a ton about like the personalities or like the flair or the whatever. Now, I'm not trying to discredit the guys that do have a little bit of personality because this Diamondbacks team does have some personality. Sure. But Corbin Carroll is not the kind of dude that for who he is as a person is getting all the attention. His mom and dad dropped him off on opening day. It's adorable. You think Ellie De La Cruz's mom and dad are dropping him off at the ballpark? If they did, everybody would eat it up. <laughs> though. Let's be yeah. real. Uh, I just like having a baseball team that, yes, it's fun having the flair guys. It's fun sure. having the pimp the bats or the pumping chests and strikeouts. And I'm not saying current Diamondbacks don't do that. But it is kind of nice having a baseball team where the best player just kind of goes up, runs his ass off around the field, and then goes home. They go about their business. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of nice. That's a great way of putting it. I, I like that argument. For Corbin Carroll. And by the way, this is just a goofy question. I'm not saying I would rather have Ellie De La Cruz than Corbin Carroll. Right. I think you put it perfectly. Ellie De La Cruz is the kind of guy who's going to show up to the ballpark wearing three chains and a t-shirt with his picture on it. And good for him because I and love that. You know what? He's, I love that. He's backing it up. He's backing it up right now. Corbin Carroll is the kind of guy whose mom is going to drop him off at the ballpark on opening day. He's going to show up. He's going to hit a couple of triples. He's going to swipe home on a infield single somehow. And... Go home and do it again tomorrow. And he, and he hates talking about himself. Yeah. Like, if you listen to a lot of his pressers and even his hit with uh, Scott Van Pelt I saw a couple that. days ago, yeah. he doesn't really feel comfortable talking about himself. He just kind of, he was sitting up in one of those, like, high chairs, right? And you can kind of yeah, see his feet, super high, you you know, see his feet dangling <laughs> off the floor. He's kind of like a little kid up there. And I love it. I love that about him. It's awesome. So, yeah, no, I'd love uh, Corbin Carroll, too. I, if you want to get really, like, into it, uh, Ellie De La Cruz has not signed a contract yet. Like sure. He's still a pre-arb player, so you have tons of control over him if you're Cincinnati. I imagine they're going to be trying to lock him up very, very quickly. They might follow the model that the Diamondbacks just did, and the Diamondbacks yeah. following what the Mariners just did right. a couple of years ago with uh, Julio Rodriguez. It might become a thing again to sign your exciting young prospect until they're like 30 and then let them hit the open market and figure it out on their own. Some interesting context, too. I don't want to dive too into this because I know this isn't a Cincinnati Reds show. Um, what? But the Reds had another top prospect shortstop come up weeks before Ellie De La Cruz, Matt yeah. McClain, who, interestingly enough, was a Diamondbacks first round pick. Oh, and he didn't that? sign with the Diamondbacks because he chose to go to college. And so that's another guy where, like, he's making big waves. He's playing really well in Cincinnati, but he's overshadowed by this guy, Ellie De La Cruz. They're it's kind really of, fascinating. They're kind of structured the same right now, both of these teams. They have a lot of exciting young talent yeah. that are leading the charge, but don't forget about the staunch veterans, Joey Votto, Evan Longoria, Christian Walker, Merrill Kelly, I guess, in a sense, because Zach Allen counts as a veteran. I think. Yeah, like yeah. however you want to look at it. Like how Marte. This certainly. team is young and exciting, but they still have those foundational guys that keep the team together. Right. Right. It's fun to watch. I want to transition real quick to the All Star Game. Sure. Corbin Carroll is he a lock to start the All Star Game? I don't want to say lock, but it sure feels like it. So he's in. Acuna is the only guy better than him in the entire league right, right. now. So, for those that don't know, Phase 2 voting for the All-Star Game starts Monday. Corbin Carroll and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. are finalists in the outfield. So, you have a chance, as voters, to get two Diamondbacks 
into the starting lineup in the Midsummer Classic in Seattle. I think Corbin is a lock to start. Lourdes, he's kind of slumped as of late, but he's had a good overall season and his best season really in a long time since being with the Blue Jays all those early years. I think he has a chance to go, but I'm at like a 65% with him going right now. Yeah, so Acuna will be in that outfield. Yes. I think Mookie Betts will be in that outfield. Yes. He's got all of L.A. voting for him. 100%. Uh, even Boston will probably vote for him just because they love him too. Um, so Mookie Betts deserves to be there. Those are two huge stars. Corbin's biggest contest in this is probably Michael Harris of the Braves. He came on strong last season as a rookie. Um, certainly having a bit of a bounce back to his season right now. And it's the Braves. And that's a fervent fan base. They, they got have, their guys in. Yeah, they they vote a lot. So I don't know. If he's going to start in the outfield, it's probably going to have to be over Michael Harris. Lourdes Gurriel is also in that conversation, but has gone cold since he missed time due to what I think was an illness yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago. He really hasn't been very good since then. If I'm going to predict how it turns out, I think Mookie Betts is going to get the most... Of that group of four between him, Carroll, Gurriel, and Michael Harris. I think Carroll will get third. So I think Betts and Carroll are going to start. And Gurriel and Harris are just going to miss out. And I wonder if either Harris or Gurriel are even going to make it in reserves. Because don't forget, Fernando Tatis Jr. and Juan Soto had late pushes in the voting. And both of them are having really good seasons right now as of late for the Padres. And a Padres team that doesn't have any representatives that we know of right now that could make it. Sticking with the Diamondbacks, though. Carroll's a lock to start, in my opinion. Gurriel, hopeful? I don't know. Gallon, is he a lock to go? Yeah, Gallon's a lock to go. Is, is he, he a lock, lock to, to start? start? I. He's probably the leading candidate in the clubhouse, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily think he's a lock. I don't think that there's a runaway winner right now in that race. Um, but I certainly hope that he does. Part of the conversation that needs to be had, and I did this over at the uh, at the Ain't No Fang podcast at ArizonaSports.com. You can check it out. Merrill Kelly deserves to be talked about more Way than more. he has been. Way more. The Diamondbacks don't have one ace. They have two. Yes. And I know that Merrill Kelly doesn't have that reputation to him, but for the longest time, he's been a very solid player. Now he has eclipsed that. In a lot of statistical categories, he's even better than Zach Gallen this year. Mm-hmm. So while Gallen deserves all the headlines, and I realize he's the, the flashier of the two, strikes out more guys, although strikeouts per nine right now, Merrill Kelly's been pretty higher. Pretty solid, pretty solid. Merrill Kelly deserves to be in this conversation as well. Maybe not as a starter in the All-Star game, but I think he should be considered to be in the All-Star game. There's three wild cards to add to that. Cattell Marte. At second base. Could make it. Geraldo Perdomo at what has been a very weak National League shortstop this season. And then Christian Walker, but I'm afraid he's going to get buried in what is a deep first base class. Yeah, Freeman, Alonzo, Olsen. So I think at least three Diamondbacks in the All-Star game, which for this team would be awesome. Mitch, it's good to have you back on the show. It's good to be back. Let's watch some Diamondbacks baseball, shall Let's we? Let's do that. They're coming up next for Mitch Varellis, for Trevor Henry behind the glass. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. Stay tuned for Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. It's next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.